Um, so we're talking about an array of topics. Uh, we were originally going to talk about Rocky and Creed, but we've been talking about a lot of things off air. So this is like the first time we don't really have a topic. Brandon is talking about AI. So Brandon started off. Uh, we were talking off air about an array of things yeah. and you wanted to get into AI. Cause I text you. I think we talk a lot about AI through text and off air so what were you about to say um so yeah like it's i hate that i'm becoming more aware of this like ai phenomenon especially chat gpt because mm -hmm. for so i mean it's it's nothing new now it's like the fact that it's becoming more of a common it's becoming it's becoming very normal now and it's kind of scary can you explain, and, not to cut you off, but can you, sorry, yeah. can you explain to people who don't know oh, anything about, yes. yeah, so can you explain to people? Chat GPT is, is online software that was recently put out into the world, I think a couple months ago. Yeah. And basically what it is, is like you go into it and you basically type in whatever you want. So like, if you need like, Hey, I need a three page paper on the American revolution or write me a song about plants or I need you to write me a screenplay about whatever subject. It literally creates that for you with no hesitancy. And so it's been getting a lot of more and more press in the news. And now recently they just did an updated version of mm -hmm. it now. At first they said it was like, oh, it's only like 5% like awareness. Now it's at 97. So I'm like, when I saw that news, I'm like, yeah, we're here because I decided like one late at night, I was just messing around, but I was like, you know what? Oh, wait, did you drink the Kool-Aid? I kind of did a little bit. So <laughs> I, met, I wanted to test it out. I wanted to see, I did two uh... things. I did I did creative exercise. I did nothing crazy, but I basically, so I had an idea for like a play or like just a story in general. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote the log line where I said, hey, write me a story about, about a record that goes through different generations of families. And I just wrote that out. That's it. I'm thinking in my mind, like, they ain't going to come up with nothing clever, nothing smart. It, yeah. It's probably going to be very vague. But it started writing. And it, when it was finished, I was like, oh, no. Oh, this is actually kind of good. I'm scared. Because it's like the story, I, like I said, the prompt I gave it was write a short story about a record that goes through, like, different generations and stuff and families. And yeah. the story starts off with like basically the summarization version of it was like the story starts with like being in an attic and like um, you see a hand grabbing like the record and then we go back to like the 50s and it's bought by this family and they're going through like a difficult period and then you see it transition into like the 60s and you know this older couple gets it in the 70s. It's like they're really I'm like I'm really reading this I'm like this is a really good foundation to build a story upon. And I'm like, you get addicted okay, you pretty quick. Good, all right. You wrote a pretty good solid story machine. So now I'm like, okay, I wrote the what same thing. <laughs> and I was like, okay, now I wrote the same thing. Now I said, write me a short script based around this subject. <laughs> and man, 
that was the moment. The fact that it wrote it in the screenplay format perfectly was already the first thing that scared the shit out of me. Wait, did it put did it put it all yeah, in the exterior exact form? day, all of that? Oh, well, like, it didn't put it all in the left side. It put nope, it all like in the oh, in wow. literally like that. And basically, I read it. I'm like, this would be a fire ass music commercial. <laughs> Like, I read that, and I'm like, I'm at 2 in the morning reading this, and I'm like, did this machine just write a fire commercial? Because I'm like, this could be a, the way it was formatted, I'm like, it was a, I said, short script. So Mm -hmm. the fact that it condensed it all down and told in a visually way, I'm like, oh, man, okay. Now, that was the moment at 2 in the morning when I read that script, I was like, yeah, we got a problem. We got a problem, because... I mean, I was talking to one of my friends about this. It's just like, I really don't know. It, like, we, like my friend, I was working. So just some context, I was working part. I was working recently this past week on my free time. Yeah. I was helping my friend. I was working at my friend's record store for like free time and stuff. And she's very much passionate about education. So mm-hmm. I asked her what her thoughts were on this AI phenomenon. And she's like, she's really strongly against it. She's like, this is going to change everything. Like the fact now it's just the way it's being used. And like people joke about it online, but like at this point I joke about it, but like, what is even the point of school at this point? It real like the fact that these kids are writing paper like I saw like a couple TikToks on Chat GPT, and they met they get in smart where it's like because you know how in high school they'll say oh you can't just write a paper you got to also provide references yeah so the fact that they wrote like write a two page paper and also go with references and when I saw how it was and like all they did was like he wrote they wrote it down with references and then he did little tweaks here and there and I'm just like I looked at this TikTok and I'm just like yeah we got a problem because uh and the fact that a school even used it to write a prompt to apologize about an incident that happened at their school to the fact that the school themselves ain't even writing that they're relying on the machine to do their work i'm like it's a it's just interesting like the way i see it now i'm like it just needs to be this needs to be a tool yeah. I'm thinking I'm one element I'm thinking about is like I think about this in the writer, like there's multiple things, but I'm focusing on just writing. When it comes to using artificial intelligence for writing, there's more good than bad. Because honestly, one of the big things a lot of creative, especially writers, whether book writers, screenwriters, they always say they don't know how to start. Mm-hmm. I feel like Chat GPT just destroyed that concept. Because the main thing is, like, we have the idea, but we don't have, like, a structure and everything. Like, always said, I'm scared of the, the no, like, um, the blank page is the scariest thing in the world type thing. It's, like, the fact that I can write a prompt idea around a story I have in my head and that you have a software that can basically expand upon your concept. That's usually where most writers start with just, like, a concept, but they don't know they don't want to write because they don't know how to develop a concept. They don't know how to expand the concept. Which is true. And the fact that we have technology now that can basically do that for you, 
it's like, I don't, well, I agree. Like it shouldn't be someone that should be like, okay, you just got to use the prompt that it provides you. Now you can use that and build upon whatever structure they have and like modify it. And like, I don't know. It's just like, as, as far as like writing goes, this has changed. I mean, no, I can keep going, but please. I want to, well, no, I want to, uh, while you were talking, I ended up opening it and I just wanted, I typed in just something, um, randomly. And I said, Please write me a log line for a movie scene. If NWA met Public Enemy at a concert at the Apollo, it says the Apollo Theater was pulsing with energy at, as two of the most influential rap groups of all time prepared to take the stage. NWA, dressed in their signature black and white, stood with anticipation as they watched Public Enemy sound check their I- iconic track, Fight the Power. The crowd was buzzing with excitement eagerly waiting for the moment when these two groups who had never shared a stage before would finally meet as public enemy wrapped up their sound check they turned to see nwa in the wings chuck d the leader of public enemy walked over to greet the group ice cube dr dre and the rest of nwa (laughs) met them with open arms first off (laughs) i think i've mentioned this before that straight out of Compton is like one of the best music biopics, but I always said how it was so biased due to the fact that it never acknowledged the other NWA group, yeah, NWA members. How does and they this just mention the highlight member? They, yeah, Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, and the rest of them. Like, there were and other the, members, it's like Gladys Knight and the Pips, like, yeah, yeah, the folks in the group. We're just and, the Pips, like, okay. Now, this computer basically did it, like, yeah, 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 other dudes in the group, but um, and the rest of the NWA <laughs> met with open arms. There was a moment of mutual respect as the two groups acknowledged the impact they had on each other's careers. The Apollo was filled with the sounds of DJ scratching records and the crowd chanting along with every word. NWA and Public Enemy took the stage together, performing a medley of greatest hits. The energy was electric as they traded verses, each group pushing the others <laughs> other to new heights. So basically, this is all it's saying. It's just kind of repeating itself. But this is insane. <laughs> like... Yeah, it's insane that you just type in something and you can create whatever you want. Like, what? <laughs> like, I should have typed in. Give me a story about a guy named Tommy and a guy named this. I'm creating Billy Two the way I want to. I want the <laughs> I want the actual Billy Two. I'm hitting up Hype Williams on Instagram, and I'm like, stop posting all these Instagram models, and we're making Billy 2 the proper way. I'm deceased. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's it really is an interesting piece of software that we're using right now, because... It, it's insane. Like, it, the fact that, yeah, I'm not going to lie, that story... It was, yeah, it was basically like a summarized story and like, you know, it's got the points, but I'm also just the fact that like, I saw somebody joke about this online one day. They said like, when people, when parents be like, I don't have a bedtime story, make one up. And then he goes to chat GPT. (laughs) (laughs) You could take like, you could take the average, like once upon a time story, type it in to that like um i don't even know like the three little pigs type it into 
chat GPT and have a Tarantino film at the end of it, like yeah. if you wanted to. But it, for whatever reason, I will say chat GPT, I don't know if it's because it just gathers everything from the internet. It all gathers everything from it feels like the cw network because it all comes out as if it was things from a cw tv show that's how all the people talk like they talk as if they're on some weird sitcom yeah it's really interesting but yeah um i was watching nightline the other night and i almost texted you about it but i knew we were going to be talking the next couple days and they brought up a guy who was on um you know on there and he said he used ai but he said he was married uh he and his wife were going through a lot of things and he used a different type of ai um app instead it was about what how do you describe it more so of building like an avatar and he kind of like built like this relationship with an avatar and literally the way he described it was the movie her her and wow i was like wow and he said he started like kissing his phone and like became in love with the the avatar and i'm like i'm not shaming this man at all but this is like this film i'm not gonna say it predicted it but we are living in these times you can't you can't say oh it did like well, because Her, I don't, I don't want to say it predicted it due to the fact of it might have already been a thing that we have already talked about in the past before her. Like you know yeah. what I mean? It might have been in books. Um, yeah, I mean, Isaac Asimov. Science fiction and artificial yeah. intelligence has been around since the days of basically uh, Isaac Asimov. I used to read. I still am an avid lover of science fiction, and I just remember growing up reading a lot of like Jules Verne and H.G. Wells and particularly Isaac Asimov because he wrote like it's funny how this is he was like a science fiction writer but he also was a good writer but he basically created like the law in his stories the laws of robotics Mm -hmm. and so the fact is like yeah like a a robot must not do this and do that and like it's in yeah I think about like I thought it's funny I think about like the movie I Robot with Will Smith. And exactly. Like and people bring that, that up. Yeah, that they just the whole concept of technology being very sentient. Mm-hmm. And wow, now this make me go well. This make me now know what I might watch now. I might have to watch iRobot now. Does this mean we have to talk about iRobot next? Hey guys, how's it going? It's Malik here. You're listening to the Bit by Big podcast. Uh Pierce Brosden, James Bonds. Because out to me I like, haven't seen him. Yeah, I watched, like, recently I decided, I'm like, okay, let me explore Bond. It's on HBO Max. And it's kind of funny because I noticed they have the Bond movies on HBO Max now currently, but they're not all there. But I noticed the ones they picked out, these are the ones that are, like, universally beloved. I know it's, like, some other um, Bond movies are on there, and I'm like, hmm. And then when I looked up the movies that weren't on there, I'm like, oh, these are the ones that ain't really like loved like that or told that they're bad but I started because re- I remember I used to watch I used to watch the movie Goldeneye a lot as a kid mm-hmm. I really loved that movie so Breers Brosnan was my first James Bond before Daniel Craig came along so I watched the first Goldeneye and I was like man this holds up pretty good like okay and then the movie I thought I watched I thought I did I watched Tomorrow Never Dies and mm-hmm. that movie man like that is like 
everything you think about spies in that movie is all there. Like, I feel like they that movie just cranked everything. I remember just watching it late at night. I'm like, they cranked everything up to like 12 because like it really was. I get it. Like, I get why people say like, oh, you go to James Bond movies for like the action. And it's true. Like the action in Tomorrow Never Dies is wild. But I think I only seen a little bit of it. That one, yeah, like the famous scene with uh, because I know Michelle Yeoh was in it, and so she plays like one of the secret agents in the story. And there's like this incredible like motorcycle chase across the city, and like there, it's just the action is just crazy. And in my mind, I'm like, this is basically what, like, how people go to the Fast and Furious movies now for like just the like brainless action. I'm like, it's kind of how this was how the Bond movies kind of were like that for them. So I started watching, I started revisiting the Bond movies again from like the Pierce Brosnan up to Daniel Craig again. And yeah, it's just crazy how like Bond movies, yeah, Bond movies are definitely like, they're a hit and miss. And I like that just the idea of like every Bond being its own incarnation and like, you know, every series of Bond, whether it's Connery, more i forget there was one bond person we only got literally one movie yeah and then the timothy dalton movies which only got two and then obviously pierce and daniel craig it's like every movie in those in their movies there's always a hit and miss there's never like all the movies in his run of being bomb was great like there's always hit and misses like when people think of pierce they mostly are going to think about Goldeneye because that movie was like just a staple and then plus the get video game was just blowing up and then of course with Daniel Craig you got yeah he honestly it's either it's always going to be the go back to Casino Royale or Skyfall with him so I think they're both equally good no, but you I definitely like, feel a difference I like uh, I like a few of them I like Casino Royale Skyfall I think Spectre Spectre is decent yeah. Um, and then no uh what's the last no one time to die. no time to die that was a really good one i um, really yeah i really like that movie too which I one really... was the one with javier bardem Is that, that, was Spectre? Skyfall. Oh, that was skyfall Skyfall. that one's really that good specter was with christoph waltz as blofeld the modern day blofeld that was a good one i felt like that one it was good in parts but i felt like it was it kind of had the same effect that like it's weird random comparison but it was kind of a random it kind of reminded me of like when the new star trek movies came out and then they did mm. uh into darkness and they were really adamant like benedict cumberbatch is not con he's not con and then you go see it i'm like this man is con man i don't know why y'all acting like he's not and so he was and then they had this character showing up i'm like that dude's blowfeld like he's <laughs> modern day blowfeld and the fact they changed the story, I'm like, yeah, we're secretly brothers. And I kind of like when it was focusing on them, it was kind of cool. I was just like, I kind of like the bond. I like when Daniel Craig's movie was just like focused when it wasn't trying to be like an interconnected, like, remember this from the old movies? Like, yeah, Spectre, like, I get it. Spectre was a big thing and they brought it back and was trying to make it modern. But my only nitpick was like when they did his final movie, I liked. I like Chris Wolf Waltz's Blofeld, but then they killed him off. And I'm like, dude, like, I want to see more of that. I want to want to see him possibly escape. But 
you know, as they say in these Bond movies, no one ever really dies. So they could bring him back somehow and they can continue that story or have some secret daughter or son do something. But yeah, so Bond, those Bond, I've been revisiting. I have a question. You have a poster to, it would be to my left, what your right side, I guess. Um, yeah, and I have a... Quinn Tarantino's birthday. Um, I don't know when this will come out. Um, what's your favorite Tarantino film? You just, you know, certain movies you watch and you just know, like, yeah, that's one of my new favorite movies. Like, I didn't know who Tarantino was. I didn't know anything about his filmmaking. Like, really? I heard about Pulp Fiction. Like, I read, this is when I was like slowly, like, because around, like, I say this a lot, like, junior year of high school was when I really started, like, exploring film and, like, really reading about it. So when Jan- I just heard so much word of mouth about this movie and like, like Jamie, like Jamie Foxx as a badass, like cowboy seeking revenge. And I'm like, it, it sounded great to me. And when I watched it, I was literally speechless because I'm like, I've never like when people talk about the term badass, like that movie is a like that is one of the films you can rewatch for me is a movie I can rewatch over and over again with no problem because I mean, I don't even know where to start. I mean, just every, everything about it to me just works. Like, let's just get it out the way. Yes. Is there an excessive use of the N word <laughs> in this movie? Yes. Okay. Cause I know some people might listen to this and like, Oh wow. He actually likes that movie and it's made by a white man and all that. I'm like, listen, listen. Okay. Cause I get it. Tarantino has been known to use the N-word in his other films, and this is not the first one to have done it. And now, this is the most excessive? Yes, it is. Absolutely. I mean, you have to acknowledge the the elephant in the room of the film. <laughs> Abs- and See, that's the thing. And they, it, and they, it is I a watched, spaghetti western slave movie. Yeah, and that's the thing. I've like I've watched. I oh again, just like the movie, I rewatched a lot of like the interviews and stuff when that movie was coming out, and yeah. people were like really flaking him for this. And he's expressed so many times, like this is a movie that takes place in the South in Mississippi. Like it would feel weird to watch this kind of movie and have that setting and that not be said. Django is great um, for, I feel like, what it is. I mean, is it a lot? Uh, I, I have to say the thing of, yes, it is. I have a love-hate relationship with that film because it's a lot in the sense of it is a spaghetti Western slave movie. Um, yeah. So that on that half, I'm like, oh, this movie. So it, it's one of those things of, like, you love it and you love the fact of it and you enjoy it. It depends on who I'm watching it with that's my case of it and when i seen it in theaters i watched it with my parents and i was like oh this is a good movie and then um i was watching it with some other people in the theater and we laughed i was like ha 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 this is funny then when other people in the theater laughed and it was like the clan scene and we're like laughing and i'm like this is hilarious this is like gut wrenching hilarious and then the other people ha 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 and i'm why do you find it this funny? <laughs> Hold on now. <laughs> Hold on now. <laughs> I see what you mean. I don't yeah. know why you find it that funny, buddy. Like, wait a minute. But I will say um, there is a line, Samuel Jackson, he doesn't say it in the movie, but Samuel Jackson says it in an interview. 
um i forget who he said it with i think it might have been like howard stern or Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he said it on Sway or anything. I think it was Howard Stern. And they asked him, like, oh, my gosh, your character, Steven, was so, like, mean or this and that. And I never thought his character was that mean. Like, I thought right. he was terrible. Like, I thought his acting wasn't the best. I'm like, Samuel Jackson has done, like, Oscar-winning acting. like, right. But he hasn't. This wasn't the best. And other people throughout the years have been like, oh, he should have got nominated. Mm, no, I never thought that. Um, and they've like compared him to some of the worst, you know, people like they treated him as if he was like on 12 years a slave type of acting, mm. like Michael Fassbender level. And I'm like, not at all. Nah, I don't um, think I don't think he that was like his worst thing. But I do notice with when it comes to Samuel Jackson in Tarantino movies, you can tell he's having a lot of fun. And, and that's that, like really nice to see. And that's what he kind of said in the Howard Stern interview. And he gave me a whole different perspective when I watched Django, I think a month ago. Yeah, I, I recently revisited it. Uh, I revisit the, the film because I rebought it. Or not rebought it, sorry. I bought the film because I realized I didn't own it. Um, mm-hmm. I bought the film years ago, but I bought it for my brother. So I was like, oh, wait, I don't own this actual movie. Uh, so when I watched it, I looked up the interview and uh, Samuel Jackson had said, yeah, Quentin had said there's so much of this movie that's missing. And Samuel Jackson was like, where's my scenes at? I thought we had all these extra scenes. And Tarantino mm-hmm. told him, we can't show these scenes in the theater. Do you see this like two-hour movie we have? People will lose it if we show these scenes in a the theater of that's you. Right. And Samuel Jackson was what are you talking about? I got scenes where I'm chopping his nuts off. I got scenes where I'm whipping them. I got scenes where I'm doing all this stuff. And he, I can't show any of that because we already have shown all of this. Like yeah. if people already are going to be mad at this movie. Imagine if we show what you're doing and Samuel Jackson's, I want all of that. Like, but what he says in there next completely changed my opinion of that movie for like you know the past how long has it been like 10 years since it's been out yeah i didn't realize um his character he said if you look at his character steven steven thinks he owns the house and which technically he does uh because yeah. he's, he's it was 2012 by the way wow. oh 2012 yeah oh. i was still in high school wow crazy <laughs> he was like steven technically owns the house because he's playing leonardo DiCaprio. He's mm-hmm. playing Django. He's playing every single character against each other. He's like, all of these people are like being played by this one guy. So all of it's like a chess game with him. And he just has yeah. to maneuver all of this. And I'm like, wow, I didn't even realize this is the like this one character. He's like, yeah, no one notices this. And everybody just thinks he's like this old decrepit slave. And he's like, no, I'm not even this fool that needs this cane. I'm just acting like I'm crippled and yep. need this cane. He's, I don't need this cane. I'm not disabled. I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, I didn't even think about that this whole time. Yeah, because it's a powerful moment when, like, at the end, and he's like, yeah, come on, Steven. You go right here where you belong. He just drops the cane. I'm like, yeah. wow, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's why I say again, like, out of all of his movies, it's the one I go, like, I have to think about one of my biggest criteria when it comes to movies that I love, it's like rewatchability. And so for me, out of all of Tarantino's movies, I can say without question that um, 
Django Unchained is the movie I revisit the most now. Like, yeah, it's the one I revisit the most because it's just like, I get it. A lot of people feel the portrayal is disrespectful. Because I've, I've actually thought about this recently. One of my friends, Chelsea, shout out to her. Like, she really loved, uh, we both enjoyed the movie, The Heart of They Fall. And mm, okay. I think about that. And I, we talked about it randomly one day where I'm like, this is a good marathon. Because she said she was watching that and Django at the same time. I was like, hmm. Let me go watch that. They were both on Netflix. So I, I did that one day and I'm like, definitely, I joke about this. I used to joke, I still joke about it, but I'm like, the harder they fall is like, if you compare these to like Coke and Diet Coke, like Django is Coke and the harder they fall is Diet Coke. It's still good, but it's Diet Coke. It's like, basically, I'm like, yeah, it's the same kind of vibe and style, just you ain't got that much of the n-word in it and like it's the the story is good the actions there the shot the sequences are great but like sometimes i prefer coke over diet coke so i mean <laughs> they're both equally good but i'm gonna take the coke over the diet i love i love the harder they fall like i really enjoy it but just the, again like seeing because everyone was talking about like oh black spaghetti like we need to see black people and like cowboys and all that and it's like when the heart of they fall came out everyone was blowing that up and i'm like oh so where was y'all at when django came out where was y'all at see but that's different though it's, di it's apples and oranges is exactly coke, it's coke the diet coke like you said i feel like here's the thing though with django as much as i really like django unchained the problem with django unchained of the answer to your question is how do I put this? One is Quentin Tarantino directing it. And so you already have that big, that big thing behind it of is Quentin Tarantino directing it. And two, it's this unrealistic story. And it's the story people actually have wanted. It's the story of like, Oh, it's the slave that is freed, and he goes and like he's a bounty hunter too. Oh, cool! He's like the free slave that's a bounty hunter. Yeah, that's like as cool as possible. And I see people defend it. I want it. Like it's cool. It's a comic book story. He was a... exactly. That's what I'm like. For me, it go like there was another movie I watched. Again, people, I've been just. On, my, on this time that I've been into right now, I've just been re-watching a lot of movies that I've held fondly over. And another movie I watched a couple days ago was The Mask of Zorro. And mm, to me, okay. like, that to me, like, I've always been one of my favorite loves in movies, and I hope it's a dream I want to accomplish. Like, I love just a classic, fun adventure story. That's like, like, it's weird. It's a weird combination, but the three movies that I love when it comes to like good adventure is Django Unchained, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Mask of Zorro. Like those three movies, just like it's pure escapism. Yeah. It's like we're here to have fun. They have elements of reality in it. But yeah, like Mask of Zorro is basically Batman before, like he was the inspiration for Batman. And everyone knows, like in the any iteration of Batman, most of the times when the parent, when the Waynes die, they're leaving a movie premiere of Zorro. Yeah. And that was because Zorro was the inspiration for Batman. 
And when you see the mask of Zorro with Antonio Banderas and like Anthony Hopkins and Catherine Zeta Jones, which man, that was also one thing. Catherine Zeta Jones, Mask of Zorro was the first time I saw Catherine Zeta Jones in a movie. And I really thought she was Spanish. But when I saw her in other stuff in Russia, she was Welsh. I was like, what the fuck is this? This is so deceitful because her Spanish accent was on point. <laughs> I was like, ain't no way. When I, I, read, she, I really was. But she had that she had that spent, she had that Latin twang down. I was like, oh shit, I'm in love. But then when I learned more about, it, I was like, man, these Brits need to stop. Because I find that money, I find that movie to be an interesting phenomenon. Cause it's like Anthony Hopkins is named like Teo de la Vega. And I'm like, this man ain't got no into Spanish, but he's doing his, but he's speaking English. But it's like but the way they do it in the store, because some people have criticized it, like, oh, he's doing brown face. And I'm like, not really. He just got a very dark tan. And like his wife was his wife was Mexican. So and like he clearly lived there for a long time. But even then, like he wasn't he was only Zorro for like one scene. And then like Antonio Banderas is like, you know, he's teaching it. So it's not like he's becoming he is Zorro like Antonio Banderas is Zorro the way I see it I it's a think, passing of his torch kind of story I think it's hilarious uh something you just said I think it's hilarious the fact of people who aren't from America and then they just you think like oh man these actors and then <laughs> they get in the interviews and this wait you weren't born here like I thought that when I originally seen Snowfall and yeah was, Damien Idris uh, yeah, Damson Idris, and then Damson Idris, my and I was like, "Oh, dang, this dude's from California." Oh, I'm not watching this show no more. Yeah, I I remember, but I kept watching that, <laughs> that kept pulling up. He was like, "Him, him, 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 bodies, bodies." I was like, "Boy, this man is American." But then when I saw an interview with him when he was talking about Swarm, I was like, "Oh, that's right, I forgot he a Brit." But his English, his American accent is on point, man. He fooled the hell out of me. He fooled the hell out of me. Yeah. But, he, yeah. He's but, uh, um, but they said he's from, like, you know, the most hood spot in, like, the UK. Uh, yeah. John Singleton, you know, had found him. And he got to work with John Singleton, um, the late, great John Singleton. And I don't know. He, he's a really great actor, uh, Damson Idris. Yeah, um, he is. He is. That's I really another like show. Like, I've been, I've watched. It's bad. Like, I know it's on its final season right now, but I've been watching like skims and episodes here and there. But I'm like, it's a good story. I just feel like I had no one to have to like start from the beginning, and go all the way up. That that's gonna be a lot of work, dude. I'm trying to tell you, my family and I, we watch it uh, every week. Watch it, because I will say this: there's some without even spoiling it there. How do I put this? There was an episode where was this the first episode? I think they gave a tribute to John Singleton because they always do. They always give a tribute to him because he mm-hmm. like planned it out. He and like one of the other co-creators planned it out these like first couple seasons and then he passed away um because he was like so involved and then mm-hmm. you know they had to go off of his vision. But right. this last season it was I think the first episode or first two episodes and then it uh, went and showed you the rest of the season of what to come next and I'm sitting there watching it and thinking about it Um, finally I feel as if this show is his vision of what we were supposed to be getting from Boys in the Hood 
higher learning, poetic justice, mm. all these films. Like now we have gotten that in a TV show form. We finally have gotten what he was trying to say in that like infamous scene in Boys in the Hood of the government putting drugs in black yeah. neighborhoods, guns in black neighborhoods, black and brown neighborhoods. It's now in a TV show neighborhood. I mean, not right. neighborhood, but in a black yeah, uh, in a format. You know, yeah, in a, a format. Sorry, but it's finally just like now in a TV show format. I finally had seen it. I'm like, oh. But it's so much because when you finally like have to wait a year for a TV show, your mind yeah. kind of just forgets it after a certain point. 